All right, are you ready for God's word today? Would you, would you get your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1? Genesis chapter 1. And we're in a series of messages that I called, I Heart My Church. And I want you to understand that we do this series um, because God, how many know church is God's idea? Did you know that? It's not Pastor Marty's idea. It's not the elder's idea. Like a group of guys and gals, we didn't get together and say, you know what would be a great idea? We should have a thing called church. No, 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 no. Church was actually God's idea. And we should love the church. Do you know why we should love the church? Because God loves the church. Do you understand Jesus died so we could be the church? And really, ultimately, we, the church is a gathering of people. It's a movement of people. It's not necessarily a building at all, but it's more the people. But it's the people who are assembled. That's what church is. Church is not a gathering. Church is an assembling. Are you with me? And it's very important that we understand that because the Bible has not called us to, be, to gather together as much as be assembled to and with one another. And this is something that Jesus, listen, Jesus so much believed in the church that he died so we could be the church, so we could assemble, so we could gather. So we're talking about the church. We're talking about something God loves. We're talking about something Jesus loves. We're talking about something that is near and dear to heart. And we live in an age where a lot of people love a lot of things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't love those things. Like if you want to love your cat and post cat videos, okay. I'm just going to let everything go that was just went in my mind because I don't want to offend cat lovers today. I, if you love Fluffy, I'm so glad. You know what I'm saying? You know, and if, if your Instagram's full of cat videos, I love you. I think that's amazing that you have such a, such a love for Fluffy. Um, I'm more of a dog person, but my Instagram's not full of dog videos. Occasionally, Milo, that's my dog, he will show up on my Instagram. Anyways, point is, we'll say we love our pet. We'll say we love coffee. We'll say we love our pizza. Um, I, I just want us to love our church. But I need you to understand that loving the church um, sometimes takes a little bit of work. It does. And do you know why? Do you know why? Let me tell you. Let me tell you why. Because the church isn't perfect. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's not perfect. And I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell you this, Pathway Church is not perfect. Right? I want to disappoint you at a rate you can stand so you'll stick around. Okay? So, so I want to tell you, Pathway Church is not perfect. And I'm going to tell you the number one reason we're not perfect. This is the first reason we're not perfect. Because the senior pastor is imperfect. I know. I, I know why you're shocked. I get it. You're like, I didn't see that coming. I know. And probably most of you think I'm perfect. And <laughs> no, but I'm not perfect. And, and I'm going to tell you the other reason why Pathway Church isn't perfect. Because you're here. Right? And, and you're not perfect. Right? And I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect, so there's no way the church can be perfect because we're building it out of imperfect people. So how many know sometimes when people say, you know, when you think about all the reasons why people don't stay at a church, do you know why they don't stay at a church? They ran into something not perfect. 
They did. You know, it was too loud. That wasn't perfect. We didn't have the perfect volume. Uh, that song was too, too fast. We didn't have the perfect tempo. It was too cold. We didn't have the perfect temperature. I didn't like the pastor's message. He didn't preach a perfect sermon. I'm going to tell you, I've been doing this a long time. I, guys, I have now been preaching. I'm not going to be able to do the math, am I? Tw- 20, a long time. <laughs> I've been preaching a long time, and I have never preached a perfect sermon. Right? Then some people, well, I don't know if I believe what you believe. They're saying, I don't think your theology is perfect. Can I tell you, I went to Bible school. I have been in forums with professors from Bible school. They don't agree with each other. Let me help you with something. No one's theology is perfect. Why? Because we're imperfect people. So in order for us, let me tell you the secret of church and the secret of relationships and the secret ultimately of what we're going to talk about here in just a minute is belonging. Uh, Let me tell you the secret of belonging to a church, grace. In fact, your, your relationships are determined by the amount of grace you can give. And this goes, if it's a marriage, if it's a friendship, if it's a life group being joined to a church, having a pastor. It's, it's amazing to me sometimes, um, sometimes as a pastor, I want to say this in a real nice way, but I've had to tell the staff this. I've had to say, I know being a pastor is hard. I've had to tell my pastors this. Being a pastor is hard because people will demand extraordinary grace from you and offer none to you. You know, you think about it. if your doctor, if your doctor has the flu, you don't quit going to him. You're like, oh, poor doctor, he got the flu. But if your pastor suffers from some of the other things you suffer from, like I can't go to that church. I've just figured out he's not perfect. Let me, I'm gonna see this. I don't like falling off pedestals, so I'm gonna jump off. <laughs> right? It, you know. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. And I'm going to deal with the same things just as you. And I'm going to tell you something else. According to your Bible, Jesus dealt with the same things just as you. Now, without sin, I get it because he was perfect. But the rest of us aren't. And the secret, what allows us to be in relationships is not our perfection. It's our commitment to grace. That's what allows us to be in relationship. This is not in my sermon at all, but I'm enjoying it. <clears throat> and your relationships will, will be as deep as your ability to offer grace. And a lot of relationships fail when someone demands more grace than they're willing to offer. And a lot of people will leave church when they're demanding more grace than they're willing to give. And that's true. That's true. And, and so we just need to understand that we can, but here's the great thing, we can love our church when we understand that. Right? I can love my church when I know it's going to be a little messy. Right? I can, I can love my church when I know, well, there's going to be times that I'm going to need to give some grace. But the reason we do it is because the purpose of the church is greater than the imperfections of the church. And that is really why God loves the church. How many, how many think if we figured out 
church isn't perfect. How many want to bet God figured it out too? How many want to bet God's figured out you're not perfect? How many, right? But yet God loves the church. So much so he was willing to die for a bunch of imperfect people to have an imperfect church. Yet it's through that beautiful mess of the imperfect church that God makes himself known and ministers to people and reconciles people back to himself. What an incredible thing to be a part of. And what if we just all start from the level playing field, I'm not perfect and neither are you, but the church is God's plan and purpose, so I'm going to commit myself to it and I'm going to have grace when I run into the imperfections. Just like I'm going to need people to have grace with me when they run into my imperfections. Wouldn't that be cool if we could do that, y'all? And so I want, you to, I want you to know it's okay to love your church. I want you to love your church. God wants you to love church. God loves church. And that's what we're talking about. I heart my church. And so we're in Genesis chapter 1. And what we really, where I want to start each of these messages is the vision and the mission, really not of pathway, but the vision and mission of God. And so if we want to know what is God's vision for earth, right? What is God's vision for earth? Well, here it is in a simple phrase. He wants earth to look like heaven. Let me say it from a verse. On earth as it is in heaven. The first thing Jesus asked us to pray, when the disciples said, teach us to pray, he said, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So what does God want? He wants his kingdom, his rule and reign, right? His government, he wants it to influence earth until earth looks like heaven. And we see this in Genesis, we're going to read it. But, but if you go all the way to the book of Revelation, this is how the whole thing wraps up, is the kingdom of God comes in fullness to the earth, and eventually earth looks like... In other words, listen, God's not going to nuke the planet, y'all. He's trying to redeem it. He's trying to make all things new. Right? Are you with me? So that's the vision of God. I've done series on that. I don't have time to teach it, but that's the vision of God. So now we need to talk about the mission. In other words, how does God do that? How does God do earth on earth as it is in heaven? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does God do that? Genesis 1, chapter 26. You've heard of the Great Commission. I call this the First Commission. And this is where we're going to spend our, our entire series. We're going to start in this verse right here. Because this, this not only tells me the mission of God, it tells me the mission of me. And it tells me the mission of the church. And it tells me what God not only wants to do, but how God does it. Let me say it another way. This answers the question of why. Meaning, why am I here? This answers the question. Then God said, so God wants heaven to look like earth or earth to look like heaven, I should say. Then God said, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make earth look like heaven? And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So here's what we said. This is, this is God answering this, how do I accomplish my, like, here's my vision. So I want to accomplish this vision. How do I accomplish this vision? And he said, let us make man. So now this tells us why we're here. We are actually here to partner with God to bring his vision to pass. 
which is to see the spiritual reign or, or the reign of a spiritual realm or spiritual kingdom influence a physical realm until that physical realm emulates or looks like the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so why are we here? Well, this is why we're here. Now, this even goes a little bit further, but let me read it again and put some words in there that we're talking about in this series. Let us make man believing. We talked about this last week. By the way, if you missed last week, please go back and listen to the message last week. Let us make man, God said, believe. We said believing. In other words, let us make man to believe in us. In, a, in our image, in other words, belonging to us. After our likeness, becoming like us, and let him have dominion building like us. So this is what God's, it, when, when we said, what does God want for every person that attends Pathway Church? What, what do we help them do? How do we help them find their purpose? Connecting people to purpose is always one of the things we've kind of associated with is almost like a, a, a mantra, if you will, around here, connecting people to purpose. How do we do that? What does that look like? How do we answer the question of why are we here? It's in this verse. Here's what God wants. He wants you believe believing in him, belonging to him, becoming like him, and building like him. That's what God wants. And so when we said, what is the mission of Pathway Church? We just said, you know, th this is what you need to understand. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, you need to figure out what God's purpose is. Because God's purpose for you is always congruent and consistent and fits into God's purpose. Come on, somebody, it says, Scripture, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. The problem is many times we're being honest, we tend to call God according to our purpose instead of realizing God calls us according to his purpose. In fact, sometimes if we were really honest, we might even say that a lot of our prayer time is about calling God according to our purpose. But we need to understand God has called us to, to because or according to his purpose. And if I want to know my purpose, I have to know his purpose. Just like if I want to know his vision, or what, what, what should be my vision? I need to know what his vision is because that's, that's what he's called. Out of the vision of God is how he created. You understand? God had a vision for earth to look like heaven and that vision necessitated man. And so man was called out of that vision. And so because God had a vision, you're here. And when you got here, he wasn't wondering why you were an answer to the question of how do I accomplish my vision? Let us make man. I don't think you realize how amazing you are. I don't think you understand how much or how highly God thinks of you or the greatness that God has called you to that you were the answer to God's question. I want earth to look like heaven. How am I going to do that? Let us make man. That's incredible. That's incredible. And that's God's calling to you. And that's God's calling to me. And so this is what we're talking about. What does God want? So we said the mission of Pathway Church is to help everyone believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. The mission of Pathway, we're going to just do what we feel like God or what the Bible says God was trying to do all along. We're going to help everybody believe in Jesus, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. And that's what we're talking about in this series. why I love church because this is what church does. Church helps people believe in Jesus. It helps people belong to a family. 
It helps people become a disciple and it helps people build God's kingdom. And that's the things that God created us for. And that's why we're here. Essentially, the church answers the question of why we're here and then helps us do it. It's amazing. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. I thought it was. I really thought it was. I was somewhat convinced that it was, but now that you've said it, I agree. That's good preaching. So let's talk about that. I just have two points today, just two truths. They're simple points. Number one is this. You were created to belong to God. You were created to belong to God. You can write that down. You were created to belong to God. He said, let us make man believing in us, belonging to us, becoming like us, and building like us. And this is the first thing that we need to understand, the first truth. And I want you to understand this truth. You were created to belong to God. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 says, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Do you see that? You're a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. It says, Of all the people of the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. I love this verse. This tells me, like you could just preach that verse. It tells me, number one, how God sees me. He sees me as treasure, right? And it tells me God wants me because I belong to him. That's why God made man. He made man to belong to him. In other words, God wanted you. Don't make something to belong to you you don't want. Are you with me? No one creates something they don't want. Wouldn't make sense. No one buys something, really, if we're thinking about it, that you don't want. Now, you may have bought it and you didn't like how it looked, but you wanted it. How many have had that experience? Try putting this body in clothes, friend. It's hot mess. Anyways. But listen, listen, it tells me God sees me as a treasure. God wants me to belong to him. And the way I belong to him is, is I have to be holy or it's the holiness of God in my life. It's something that God does. He created me to be holy and to belong to him because he saw me as treasure. And when the Bible talks about holy, let's think about what that's talking about because a lot of people get half of it right. Get half of it right. What I mean by that is in some, some maybe, I don't want to be critical. I don't know another way to say it. In some churches and places of worship, especially growing up, some ministers, some pastors seem to focus on holiness, which is good. We should talk about holiness. It's not something that's talked about enough, in my opinion, anymore. But they seem to focus on one aspect, which holiness means separated. To be separate or to be separated. And they would focus on this aspect, being separated from, right? In other words, because to be holy unto God, it means we need to be separated from what we would call the world. And it means that we don't want to look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. And I'm not disagreeing. Hear hear me on that. I'm not disagreeing. I think this world needs to see something different. If our Instagram and our lives look like those of people that don't claim faith in God or have an acquaintance with a relationship with God, I'm not sure that's helping anybody, right? 
I definitely think being holy means I've been separated from. I mean, I don't think on Friday night I should be at the same place as everybody else doing the same thing that people that don't have faith in God are doing. I'm not trying to get really legalistic, but I don't, I don't disagree. Now, growing up, we had some people that preached, and they really and they were hardline on this. And I mean, they, in some places, it it was holiness meant that women could not cut their hair, and holiness meant women couldn't wear makeup, and holiness meant you couldn't wear jewelry, and holiness meant that men had to cut their hair, and holiness meant that you couldn't have facial hair. And 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 while I understand, like I, I went to guys, I went to Bible college, and I went to a Bible college, and this was in the late 90s, which seems like it was just five years ago. What happened? Anyways, and I remember going to this Bible school, and, and I, I was in, uh, there was a dorm. They didn't need more space for students, and so there was a, a essentially, and I don't know a, a better way to say it so you understand, I don't mean any disrespect, it was a mental hospital a hospital for people with mental issues. And that became a dorm, which kind of made sense, you know, when you think of it, actually. <laughs> College kid, you know. And, and so I, I went to, that was the dorm that I was put in. And, uh, and it was actually nice because we all had our own rooms and our own showers. It was really, I mean, you had a roommate. My roommate didn't show up. So I had my own room, my own shower. I mean, I'm like living large in college, y'all. <laughs> And it was even better because we had, you know, it had, it had came with a lot of land and, uh, and it also had a gym, uh, like a basketball gym and a swimming pool. So now I'm at college in, in the dorm and they're telling me, oh, your dorm has a basketball court inside. Now I played basketball and a swimming pool. I'm like, Jesus is real, y'all. Because <laughs> it's a co-ed dorm. One of the few co-ed dorms. And so now the, the, the girls were locked on one side and the boys were locked on another side, but they were still with, they were on the campus, somebody. You understand what I'm saying? And we were all there together and there was a pool and I was so excited because I wanted to fellowship. Hey Amen. I was there to meet new people. And then they told me, yes, the boys swim on the even days and the girls swim on the odd days. I said, huh? <laughs> and they said, yeah, we, we don't allow mixed bathing because we're holy. <laughs> Do you know how many times I went swimming? <laughs> Zero. Zero. I don't know, as a, as, a, you know, as a 19 year old, you don't ever think, hey guys, let's go hit the pool together. That just seems weird. <laughs> I don't know. I got in the pool one time. Um, some friends, we had, you know, you have your friend groups and friends, it was raining and we, got, we went outside and we were playing touch football in the rain and it was guys and girls. By the way, that's the only reason I was willing to go out and play touch football. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Practicing the ministry of laying on a hand, somebody. And so anyways, um, no, that's so bad. Stop that. Anyways, and so there was a particular girl. Y'all know the story. And so uh, I ended up picking her up and throwing her in the pool. 
And because, uh, you know, that was, you know, I felt like I needed to practice baptizing. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and then her friends wanted to practice baptizing because uh, they were all trying to, to connect us. Anyways, so they pushed me in the pool. So now I'm in the pool with a female at the same time. I know. I didn't think anything about it. I thought we were having a great time. Uh, we were fully clothed. I mean, you know, the no swimsuits. You know, we were, we were having a great time. And somehow that got back to the dean of student affairs, whose name was Tom, who I became pretty good friends with. And um, to the point that I called him Uncle Tom, and his office was Uncle Tom's cabin. And I, I, spent, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time in Uncle Tom's cabin. And, uh, but anyways, in this particular event, I got called in because we were, uh, uh, mixed bathing, which a first offense was a fine of $50 for mixed bathing, which at that point I'm like, if I'd have known I could pay $50 and swim with the girls, I probably, <laughs> and so anyways, no, like, but I, this, I got to get off this story, but it's funny, but I told, uh, Uncle Tom says, you know, he opens the student handbook and he says, right here. And he kind of talked gruff like that. He's a real sweet man, but talked real gruff. He's right here, Mr. Straight. Let me read from you. You know, students shall not participate in uh, mixed bathing, you know. And I said, Uncle Tom, do you have a Webster's Dictionary? And he looked at me strange and said, yes, sir. You know, yeah, I do. And I said, give me just a minute. If you indulge me, I open Webster's Dictionary. And I read the definition of bathing. Which, re which required, essentially, the, it, it required a cleaning agent that was applied to the body and a lack of clothing. And I told him, I said, Uncle Tom, according to Webster's, I wasn't mixed bathing because we didn't use any cleaning agents and we were fully clothed. So I didn't break the rule. We may have been in the same body of water together, but there was no bathing. I never forget, he looked at, he let me off without the fine yard, but he looked at me, he said, Mr. Strait, if preaching doesn't work out, be a lawyer. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> but, but, you know, I grew up and even went to a Bible school where we focused so much on, on holiness being, being about being set apart or holiness being about the things we didn't do. And I think that's an application, but you need to understand holiness means set apart unto God. It's not just from, but it's unto. And when God, the reason I'm set apart from, the reason I don't do some of the things that maybe everybody else does is, is, is not necessarily so I can be holy. It's God making me holy through Jesus Christ. And because I'm called according to his purpose and I'm set apart unto him and I want to live a life that pleases him, when I'm focused on knowing God, relating to God, pleasing God and following God, I, when, I'm, when I'm focused on being separated unto God, it will naturally separate me from the world. And so really, this is the side we have to preach about. And, and this is what, what God is talking about in Deuteronomy. He's like, you're my, you're my treasure and you belong to me, so you're separated to me. We were created to belong to God. Now here's the problem. What happened? 
What happened? We were created to belong to God. What happened? Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Then the eyes of both of Adam and Eve were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? Can I just give you just pro tip? <clears throat> When God asks you a question, he's not looking for information. And when God asks you, where are you? It's not because he doesn't know where you are. It's usually because you don't know where you are. And he's not even talking about geography as much as he is. He's talking relationally. He's asking where you are in relation to him, right? Not, not just where you're at on a map. He's not looking for a pin drop, everybody. Now, verse 10, and he said, this is what Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked. Think about this. God had never done anything to make Adam afraid. Think about it. God's good. He's loving. He is kind. He is patient. What changed? What happened? What's Adam saying? Well, he said, I was afraid. Do you know what? What was he afraid of? He was afraid of not belonging. Until he sinned, he never doubted that he belonged. After he sinned, it was the first thing he was afraid of. Do you know what this tells me is that we all deal with this? I deal with it. You deal with it. We will all deal with feeling rejected. We will all deal with a fear of rejection. It's the first, look at it. It's the first symptom of sin. The first symptom of fallen man is I'm afraid I don't belong. And, and it's the first thing that Adam runs into is, I'm afraid I don't belong. Now, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. I'm afraid I'm rejected. I need you to write this down because I need you to, this is, it's, it's not really good news, but we'll get to the good news if you'll just stay with me. But you might want to write this down, sub point one, you know, A under point one, write this down. You were born rejected. This is why we all deal with it. We were born rejected. Every one of us. I'm going to show you the, the verses in just a minute, okay? But you need to understand that's why we all deal with feeling rejected and we all have this question of do we belong and we're all afraid we don't belong and this is why we do some of the really incredibly stupid things we do to try to belong. Does anyone else have a, have a list of things that you tried to do to belong? Does anyone else? Some of, that, some of those have names, people you tried to date to belong Oh, it got close to home for some of you. I felt it right there. Oh, Jesus. Right? I can tell you, hey, I'll tell you, some of the things in my regret column are because I was trying to belong and afraid I didn't belong. And why? And here's, here's the truth. And it's not a good truth, but we'll get to the good truth. But the truth is we were all born rejected. Why? Because we were all born in sin. Our sins separate us from God. In fact, Isaiah 59, our iniquities have separated us from God. 
Romans 3.23, most people know this verse, but it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what does it say? How many have sinned? All. All. Is there anyone in here that is not included in all? Are we all in the all? So since we have all sinned, we have all been rejected. It's, It's not good news, but we need to know it. Right? We have all been rejected. That's what the, Paul's, Paul's letting us know. Hey, all have sinned. And you know what's even incredible about the verse? Most of the time we quote it wrong because most of the time we quote it we say all have sinned because that's past tense. When we get to and fall, we actually put past tense fallen in there. So we say all have sinned and fallen short. But that's not what Paul said in Romans 3.23. What Paul said is all have sinned and fall short. So here's what he says. We've all sinned. And no matter how good we are, we still fall short. Today, you're going to fall short. Tomorrow, you're going to fall short. Why is that? Because God's standard is perfect. And remember how we started our conversation? None of us are perfect. The pastor's not perfect, and you're not perfect, and church isn't perfect, but yet God's standard is perfect. So we are born rejected and we're rejected by God because we're born in sin and we fall short and God is perfect and God can only accept perfection. And so I know now your question, well, how do I have a relationship with God? I can't be perfect. And that's exactly right. You can't be perfect. Isn't this encouraging? (laughs) What an encouraging message. I've been rejected by God and he requires perfection and I'm not perfect. In fact, in Romans 3.23, when it says, all have sinned, uh, that word in the Greek, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. It's an Alexandrian dialect. It was a common Greek, if you will. And a lot of the um, Greek words that we have in Scripture have a root or are rooted in um, some like military terminology or sports terminology. So like when it says, let the peace of God rule your heart, that word rule, we would actually, we could translate this way, referee. Like let the peace of God referee. In other words, some people say, well, how do I know how to follow God? You follow God where peace is. The moment, listen, the moment you're following God and you lose peace is usually because you have stepped out of bounds and the referee is blowing the whistle. Are you with me? And so when it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart, or, or it says the peace of God will guard your heart, that word guard is a military term that actually means to put a garrison of soldiers around. So here's what he's saying. Like, let the peace of God be your secret service. Like, let the peace of God guard all the way around your heart. Why? Stuff's going to try to get in your heart. Fear's going to try to get in your heart. Pride's going to try to get in your heart. Stuff's going to, but you need, so this is why we need the peace of God because the peace of God and our connection with God and our relationship with God, it puts a garrison of soldiers around our heart and it keeps those things out. Now, this word says, when all have sinned, this word in the Greek is the Greek word metanoia. That's that's changed. Never mind. That's transformed. This is the Greek word hermartino. And what it means, and most of you have heard this definition for sin, it means to miss the mark. But it means a little more than that. Let me try to explain. It doesn't mean to miss the target. It's actually an archery term. Martino is an archery term. 
And it actually doesn't just mean to, to, to miss the target. It means to miss the mark. Let me say it another way. It means to miss the very center of the bullseye. In other words, when you've seen Robin Hood and they're in the archery contest and they shoot the arrow and they hit the bullseye and everybody's like, oh, and then Robin Hood comes up and then splits the arrow. And everybody's like, whoa. What it's saying is none of us split the arrow. It actually means to miss the mark by the smallest margin possible that's a miss. So when Paul is saying you have all sinned, he's saying all of you, whether by great margin or by small margin, all of you missed the mark. We have all missed the mark. Let me say it another way. None of us are perfect, and none of us can be perfect. And God's standard is perfect. In fact, let me give you a verse on it. Leviticus 22.21 says, If you present a peace offering to the Lord from the herd of the flock, whether it's to fill a vow or it's a voluntary offering, you must offer a perfect animal. It may have no defect of any kind. Here's what God's saying. My standard is perfect. Think about this. To be accepted, I have to be perfect. And what we've covered so far is I was born rejected because I was born imperfect because I missed the mark. I'm not perfect, and God's standard is perfect. So encouraging a message. This is why, like, when Paul says in Romans 5, he's like, you were powerless to save yourselves. Like, we need to understand, like, we're talking about belonging to God. I was created to belong to God, but I was born rejected. And I was born rejected because I'm not perfect. And God's standard is perfect. My grandfather used to tell me, and this is why I'm doing this. It's really how the whole message works today. He would say, son, before you can preach them found, you've got to preach them lost. Of course, then he would say, don't preach them lost unless you can actually preach them found. Don't let them leave lost, son. What I'm trying to get you to understand is here's the truth. The truth is we're born rejected because we're imperfect and God's standard is perfect. Here's also the truth. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. What Leviticus is shadowing is that imperfect people need a perfect sacrifice. <clears throat> and he was the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. In fact, I don't know if you know this, Jesus was, number one, he, he, him being our sacrifice, right? He was examined by God because God said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. So God said he's perfect, but did you know the world said he was perfect? He was examined by Pilate when he was arrested. And Pilate told the people, told the Jews, I find no fault in him. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice given for imperfect people. In fact, I, I like the way um, Hebrews 10, 14 reads in the message and please don't send me an email because I use the message. It's weird, but it happens. I use a lot of versions of the Bible. But anyways, 
But I love how this, I love how this phrases it. Hebrews 10, 14 said, it was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. Oh, I want to read it again. Hebrews 10, 14. Write it down. Hebrews 10, 14. It's just so good, somebody. It's like chocolate cake. Can you really eat one slice? I don't think so. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 14. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. This is what I want you to understand is that, listen to me, I was born imperfect. I was fallen. And because I was imperfect, I was rejected. But God had created me to belong to him and God wanted me. So here's what God did. He said, you know what? I love them and they're imperfect and, and I want them and I created them to belong to me, but we're separated from them. And because of their sin, I have to reject them. But here's what I'll do. I'll send my perfect son who will be a perfect offering. And in giving him, I will perfect their imperfection because they're mine. That's really good news. And here's what the word of God just said in Hebrews 10, 14. It says, he has perfected. That's New King James. He has perfected forever those being sanctified. Here's what it said. Here's what it said. He's made me perfect. Jesus was perfect, but he's made me perfect. Not in my behavior. Not in my performance. He's made me perfect in my position. He's made me perfect in my relationship with him. He has perfected for me. In fact, Hebrews 12, 23 says, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. This is a lot, but there's a lot of theology in this one verse really, but it says, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. My soul's not perfect. I got some issues. My body's not perfect. I got some issues. But because of the grace of God, I've been made perfect in my position as a son of God. And it is not based on my performance. It's based on the performance and the offering of the perfect lamb of God. And, and I need to understand then... then <clears throat> Then because of that, I want you, remember I said we were born rejected? Remember that? Let me add on to it. We were born rejected, but because of Jesus, we are born again accepted. You need to understand your acceptance is not about your performance. It's about Jesus' performance. You need to understand acceptance is a work of the grace of God, not the work of your flesh or your ability or your striving or your effort. If you don't understand that, you can't have a relationship with God because you're going to think your relationship with God is based on you. And when you have a good day, you're going to think you and God have a good relationship. When you have a bad day, you're going to think God's mad at you and y'all don't have a good relationship. And like Adam, you're going to have to go hide and God's going to have to come look for you. And God's going to have to say, where are you? And you're going to have to say, I'm over here modeling fig leaves. Like you need to understand, it says Hebrews 1, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, not your effort, to the praise and the glory of his grace by which, in other words, his grace did something by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 
Please look at that verse. By the glory of his grace, meaning when I get to heaven, I'm not going to say, y'all, look what I did. I was so good. No, you're a hot mess on your best day. No, it's to the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. Notice those verbs are all past tense. That his grace has performed something in my life. He made me accepted. Do you understand? Because of the grace of Jesus, when I receive him, I'm accepted whether I believe it or not. I'm accepted whether I feel it or not. I'm accepted whether I like it or not. Do you understand that? That's good news, isn't it? That I was born rejected, but I've been born again accepted by God. And if there's one person you want to be accepted by, it is accepted by God. Now the question is, how do you do that? How, how, how do you do that? How do you do all that? It's a crazy theological truth. You need to understand it because if you don't understand this. You won't know how accepted you are and how much you belong. But the way that God accepted you was he had to reject Jesus. Like we deal with rejection, but you know what? Jesus had to deal with rejection. I don't know about you, but this helps me. In fact, I'll show you a few things here. Jesus had to be rejected by his own people. This is John 1 by the Jews. He came to his own, but they would not receive him. He was rejected by his family. John 7 says even his family didn't believe in him. Right? He was rejected by the leaders of the church. In fact, in Mark 8, he talks about how, how he would suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. I, I don't know if this helps you, but, but you need to understand. I, I like this because we're talking about I heart my church, so can I just make a point? Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected by his people, by his family, but he knew what it was like to be rejected by his church, by the church. Can I say another way? He knew what it was like to feel like I don't belong at church. And he was the only perfect one there. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? And do you know what? Even being rejected by the church, he didn't give up on the church. He worked to redeem it. And I'm just saying, if you've ever been rejected by the church, let me say another way. If you've experienced church hurt, I'm sorry. I really am. If you've been hurt by a church leader, I'm sorry. I really am. I really am. I understand that. I've been hurt by church leaders. I've been hurt by the church. I've been rejected by people. I've been rejected by Christians. And I want you to know, knowing all that, here's what I'll say. I'll never give up on the church. I'll never give up on those people. I'll never give up on being here. I'll never give up on you. You please don't give up on me. Because we love the church and Jesus loves the church enough that even when he was rejected by the church, even when he was rejected by the church, he still said, I love the church. I'm going to die for the church. And I want you to know you can be hurt by the church. And I get it. And I'll say this. If you've been hurt by me, then just come talk to me. Believe it or not, I'm really easy to talk to. And if I've hurt you, I want an opportunity to apologize. In fact, one of my pet peeves with my staff is, I, I might offend you. I might hurt your feelings. And I won't be mad if you'll come tell me I've hurt your feelings or that I offended you. But I'll be mad if you harbor something against me and never tell me. Because how can I make it right if I don't know? So I, I, Because you need to understand. Remember how I started the sermon? I'm not perfect. <laughs> I get it. If you don't believe me, ask my kids. 
They'll tell you, you know, we love dad. He's somewhat entertaining. We keep him around, but he's not perfect. <laughs> I want you to understand this, though. In order for us to be accepted by God, Jesus had to be rejected by God. And you say, well, where did that happen? You actually know the scripture. Because Jesus on the cross cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That word forsaken means to completely abandon, to leave, to reject, to forsake. And here's what I want you to know. This is what I want you to know. This is how much God wants you. And this is the, the proof to me that we belong to God. Because when you think about it, when you think about it, there is no good reason for God to do what he did. I mean, I looked in the mirror this morning. I can tell you there is no good reason for God to go to these lengths so I could be accepted. There's not a good reason, but there is a good explanation. And the explanation is because I was created to belong to him. And because I was created to belong to him and because he wanted me, that's why he created me. And that's why he created me to belong. When I was rejected because of my sin, he sent forth the perfect sacrifice to be rejected so that I could be born again, accepted by him. And listen to me, I will forever be accepted by God. And God will not abandon me because he had to reject his own son to accept me and he had to abandon his own son to, to make sure that I'm never abandoned. I was created to belong to him. Here's the second thing. It's a very short point. I was created to belong to the body. I was created to belong to the body. That's why we're talking about life groups today. Because I belong to God, I belong to the body. I want you to understand that because of the grace of Jesus, remember how we talked about how we're going to have grace for each other and that's how you can have imperfect people in the church is we have grace for each other. I want you to understand, because of the grace of God, you belong to God and you're accepted by God. But I want you to know because of the grace of God, you belong here and you're accepted here. Romans 12, verse 5, this is kind of a cool verse. Romans 12, verse 5 is almost a scary verse. It says, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. You see, that's kind of scary. But here's what he's saying. We're all parts of Christ's body, and we all belong. Like this work of grace has connected us with God. It has reunited us with God. But this work of grace is what unites us and connects us with one another. Let me say it another way. You were created for connection. You were created to be connected to God, but you were created to be connected for people. This is why so many times in Paul's writings, you see it in 1 Corinthians 12, you see it in Romans 12. It's even indicated in Ephesians 4. Paul will talk about believers as though we're all parts of a body. Like, can the foot say to the hand or the eye can say to, you know what I'm saying? Like he has this imagery. Why? Because we were all created to belong to the body. In fact, let me show you this. 
Ephesians 4.16, this is just one of those verses, but Ephesians 4.16 says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I know that's a lot. Let's just read it again. Jesus, from whom, that's Jesus, the whole body. So because of the grace of God, Jesus, the whole body can be joined and held together. But how are we joined and held together? By every joint. That's the connection. And from those, from those connections with which it is equipped, so those connections equip us, right? When each part is working properly, it makes the whole body grow. In other words, the connections equip us and make us grow and builds us up in love. Here's what Paul just said. By, listen, this is what Paul just said. When we are connected to the body of Christ, we are equipped, we grow, we are strengthened, and we're loved. That we need to understand that this is the good news of God. That, that not only am I connected to God... Not only do I belong to him, but I belong to the body. And it is belonging to the body that causes some things to happen in my life where I grow and I'm equipped and I'm strengthened. One verse says, and talking about the same verse, another way to look at it is where, where we are, where every joint, we're made strong by what every joint supplies, is New King James. We're made strong. In other words, we are strengthened everywhere there's a connection. This is why in, in largely what I have seen in church is that the people who are the most connected thrive the most in their relationship with God. Just tell you, as a pastor, with years and years of watching people and loving people and serving people, I can tell you that this verse is true. Not that you need me to tell you the Bible's true, but I'm just saying I've watched it. And when people are connected, they thrive. And the people that aren't connected, that kind of go in and out with the tithe, they, the, the, the tide, not the tithe. <laughs> I don't know if I made the... Anyways, you understand. With like the tide, you know, sometimes people come in and they go out as a staff. We'll have these conversations. Hey, have y'all seen so-and-so? No, I don't know. I hadn't seen so-and-so in a while. Anybody know what's going on with them? No, I don't know what's going on. In about six months, they show up again. Oh, it's been a rough season. And, you know, now we're back at church again. And, and I'm just saying, here's what I'm telling you. Here's the good news. Listen to me. The good news is Jesus has paid so that you, because you belong to God, and he's paid so you can be accepted by God. But I want you to know he's also paid so you can belong to the body and be accepted by the body. And because, I want you to think about this, because of the grace of God, you determine now if you're going to belong or not. See, we think belonging is about the decisions of others. Are they going to accept me? But because of grace, Jesus has paid. So now the question isn't, are we going to accept you? The question is, are you going to belong to us? Are you going to decide to belong? You know, around here, one of the things that we've said, I told you this earlier, but we had this phrase from the very beginning, connecting people to purpose. It's something I love. I love to see people walking in their purpose. I don't know if you realize this, but what Ephesians 4 is pointing to is the fact that you can't do your purpose alone. If you're ever going to fulfill your purpose, it will not be by yourself. You will need to belong to the body. And the proof of it is, think about this, Jesus. 
Jesus lives 30 years. We don't, not a whole lot happens. We know he got lost one time on the way to church or the way home from church, right? When he was 12, Mary and Joseph had been walking a day or so and said, anybody seen Jesus? No, I thought he had, you know, <laughs> such a weird conversation with God about, we lost your son. <laughs> But they find him and he's in the temple. So, but we don't have a lot about Jesus until he starts his ministry. It really, is, it starts at the, the wedding at Canaan, which was kind of where he began to kind of started doing miracles. That was the first miracle. But I want you to think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect one, sent on purpose to redeem mankind so we could be accepted, so we could belong. He's baptized when it's time to start his ministry at about 30 years of age, he's baptized. And the first thing he does when he starts his ministry is he begins a life group. You ever thought about that? And it's a motley crew, right? Not the band, the people. I want you to think about that because Jesus, don't you think if anybody could have lone wolfed it, as they might say, if anybody could have done their purpose on their own, if anybody was perfect enough, strong enough, smart enough, anointed enough, knew enough about God, had a good relationship with God, whatever, if anybody could do their purpose by themselves, don't you think it'd be Jesus? But the first thing Jesus does when it's time for him to step in his calling and to fulfill his purpose is he starts a life group. And he says, you know what, guys? I can't do this alone. I don't want to do this alone. And for me to be me and me to do what God's called me to do, I need some people to come along with me. And I'm just saying, am I any different than him? Are you any different than him? And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Somebody's right now is thinking, why is that a life group once? And, and I just, there was this one person. And let me just tell you right now, if you're, if you're like, man, there's never been that one person in my life group. You're the person. <laughs> but I know you're like, there was this one person, pastor. I want you to understand Jesus and his life group had Judas. In his life group, he had Judas. And I want you to understand that on the same night he was arrested, the last life group meeting where they kind of had potluck, he washed Judas' feet too because he understood the importance. In fact, you want to know something so crazy? I don't know why I'm putting this in here, but it's just good. You want to know something so crazy to me? When Peter, he calls Peter, like the rock, Peter. He calls Peter, get, he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Judas kisses him, is about to betray him, and he calls him friend. These are his life group members. What was the difference? Why would you call Peter, Satan, essentially, and call Judas friend? Because Peter said, when Jesus said, I got to go die on the cross, Peter stepped in and said, no, you're not going to die on the cross. And Judas hastened his dying on the cross. You need to understand that everybody around you, when you're in a group, all the imperfect people around you 
the people that are your friends that may not feel like friends and look like friends, if they're helping you fulfill your purpose, they're your friends. And the reason that Jesus rebuked Peter is because Peter stepped in front of his purpose. And the reason he called Judas friend is because Judas was facilitating his purpose. And we don't ever think about how that looks, but I'm telling you, sometimes the haters in your life are your best friends. And sometimes the closest people to you get in the way. I'm not saying anything other than you need them all sometimes. And I'm saying this, that for Jesus to fulfill his purpose, he needed a life group. And in that life group was a lot of different characters but all together it's how he fulfilled his purpose and that's how we fulfill our purpose you were created to belong to God you were created to belong to his body and it is in the belonging to God that we become who he created us to be and do what he created us to do amen can you give God praise today Why don't you stand with me? And I know some of our life group leaders need to be dismissed. You can do that now. Stand with me. And then if you're on prayer team today, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come at the front. We like to end all of our time of meeting together with prayer. If you need prayer for anything, no matter what, we want to pray with you. Um, and so if you're on prayer team, then you can come today. And if you're normally on prayer team, but you're not on duty today and you're not out with a life group, you just come on too because we probably need a few more people. All right, and then I want to just pray for us today. I want to pray for us today. So would you bow your heads? And God, I just thank you for the word of God today. And thank you, God, that you created us to belong. And you created us to belong to you, and you created us to belong to the body. God, I pray today that you would speak to every one of us. God, what we need to hear from this message. Would you take a moment and just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Would you just ask that? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? And God, I pray you'd speak to every person. And then I just pray it with our heads bowed. No one's really looking around. I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who may need to be accepted by God. Maybe, maybe you, you need a relationship with God. You want to belong to God. Maybe you just... You know, you're looking at it and you're like, you know, I, I just don't feel like I belong. I'm not, I'm not sure that I've ever accepted Christ. I don't know that I've ever really understood this. I, maybe you just know I've done some things or, you know, I've committed sin and I've missed the mark and I want to know that I have a relationship with God. Maybe you just know. You're like, you know what? I know I don't have a relationship with God, but I want a relationship with God. I want to belong to Him. If that's you, I just want to pray for you, whether you're online or in the room. I just want to pray for you. No one's looking around, but I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a minute. I'm not asking you to lift it for me. Um, it's really between you and God. But it's kind of that, that show of faith to say, God, here I am, and I want a relationship with you. That's really all it means. But it tells him. And so if that's you, if, if you're in this room, you're like, I need a relationship with God, or you're, walk, you're watching at home, watching at home. No one's looking around, but I just want you to lift your hand. So in just a moment, I count three. I just want you to lift your hand. I said, man, I need a relationship with God. I want to belong to God. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand up. Say, God, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, I see several hands. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. So encouraged. If you lifted your hand, even online, if you lifted your hand, I'm going to pray a prayer. Now, we need to understand that the way we enter into a relationship with God according to the Bible is just we confess we would believe in our heart 
that Jesus is Lord and we confess with our mouths that faith. And so that's what's important. It's not necessarily the words. It's just believing and confessing that Jesus is your Lord and you're going to follow him. You're going to serve him. And so I'll give you an example of a prayer. You can pray your own words, but, but it would be something like this. It would be, God, I believe in you and I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and rose again for me. And I ask you, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me where I've fallen short. Help me to follow you. I choose for you to be my Lord for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, God, I pray as they prayed that prayer that, God, you'd speak to them, reveal yourself to them, help them, guide them, lead them, and most importantly, help them follow you for the rest of your life, for the rest of their lives. God, I pray for all of our church. Lord, I just say thank you that we belong. Help us not only to stay connected with you, but connected with your body. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give Jesus praise one more time? Amen. God is good, everybody. If you need prayer today, if you lifted your hand, I want to encourage you to come. We want to pray with you, just connect with you, encourage you. But if you need prayer for anything, we want you to come. Otherwise, you may go get your children and then join us in the side parking lot. Find a life group. Let your kids have some fun. Uh, it's going to be a great afternoon. God, we, we, we bless you, and we'll see you next weekend. God bless you.